Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. Today we have got some trade targets for you guys to consider. We're only two weeks in the NFL season, but as always, teams, if you're starting 101 or 0-2, there's always this consideration of, is my team good enough? Do I need to look at upgrading? And of course, the waiver wire is great, but sometimes that's not enough. So we're going to look at some guys, I believe eight guys in this video that you should consider using to maybe make some trades where you can get a really good bang for your buck, hopefully upgrade your roster as we continue on in this NFL season. As always, maybe even more importantly in this video, at the end of this video, we we are doing our injury updates for week three and going to really catch you guys up on everything that you need to know. As always, it's a bit murky with a lot of questionable players, but um, the one thing to consider is these Friday videos are really, we're still working out what they're going to look like. We post these videos every, every Friday and we don't really have a topic set before we get into injuries. And so... We actually want to let you guys know, drop some comments down below. Give us some suggestions of videos that we could do on Friday that you guys would like. Um, and that's the thing. We really have adopted your guys' suggestions. A lot of the way that we do our videos and the way we present fantasy information to you guys is based on what you guys have requested. A lot of people don't know when we started this channel, we would do start-sit videos, but we didn't cover every game and we didn't cover every player. We just covered some key things to know and somebody requested hey can you do every player in every game and we thought that seemed like a bit much work but we did it and it's working out really great that was a wonderful suggestion and so we continue to do that and i want to just tell you guys that so you know when you leave these comments we read them we consider them and a lot of times we adopt them and we use them to really change and help the way that we are running this channel we're helping give you guys that information so that's just something to consider now as always these trade targets are based off of value not just how good they are how bad they are but we're going to get into that a little bit more rob as always i want to I'll pass it over to you to just give some clarification and definition as to what we mean when we talk about trade targets yeah i think a lot of fantasy success especially when it comes to trading is having a what i call a stock market mentality which is you know you buy low and sell high so these are trade targets uh players whose current value is lower uh players that you can get cheaply but we believe our best days are still ahead they've got a lot of production out there that they're going to continue to get better so this is the time to grab these guys so let's just get into our first player if you're ready yeah <laughs> here just click to the next slide and we'll turn this off real quick So the first trade target I think you need to really consider out there is Mike Evans. Now, some may consider this low-hanging fruit, but there's no denying what a great target he is. You look at his what he's done in the past and where he's at now, his production is lower right now. In fact, currently, if he continues at the pace that he's at, he's going to finish with 48 catches, 712 yards, and zero TDs. This is well below his career averages of 82 catches, 1,268 yards, and 8 TDs per season. Once again, significantly lower. Well, when these sort of things happen with players, and they happen, right? So we've got to ask a few questions like, okay, what's changed? Often we have to wrestle with things and start to wonder, is this a slow start, is it a fluke, or is this indicative of something to come for him? Some of the questions that we'll wrestle through is things like, for example, we'll say, okay, uh, is he healthy? Well, Mike Evans is. There's no health issues there, okay. Um, new quarterback, is that it? Maybe new quarterback there is not looking his way. No, no quarterback. How about change of team or surrounding cast? Well, not really. I mean, he's got a new coach, but as far as on the field, pretty much a lot of that same team right there. Uh, what about his age? Well, this is a guy that's still very much in his prime. Is he recovering from an off-season injury? You know, no. So when we look at all those other things there, there's no real reason why he's not going to rebound. There's no real reason to contribute to why his numbers are down there. Now, in the preseason, we did say this. Okay, We said that Chris, Chris Godwin was really pressing him to become the team's number one wide receiver. And Mike Evans actually said that himself. He came out and said, hey, this guy's really good. Uh, he's pressing to become the best wide receiver on this team. Chris Godwin is very good. In fact, Chris Godwin's on a pace to have 88 catches, 1,392 yards and 16 TDs. Obviously, he's not going to continue 16 TDs. I'd be very surprised there. 
Now, based on that, somebody could conclude that they kind of switch roles, right? They've kind of switched it now, and Chris Godwin's number one wide receiver, and Mike Evans will become the number two guy. And that buck, you know, the Bucks offense simply can't support two players dominating. Okay, and so what's going to happen, or what we should become to expect with Mike Evans, is that he'll have wide receiver two numbers. I don't agree with that. Okay, I, I disagree with that logic. There's been many teams in the history of the NFL, you can probably think some more modern ones, but teams that have had two great statistical wide receivers per season. Think about Carter and Moss, you know, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Moss, Wes Welker, I could go on and on and on. There are so many teams out there that have supported two good statistical wide receivers, so I don't think that's an issue here. That's not a problem. Now, the Bucks' defense has improved significantly over last year. But right now, in the first two games, they haven't really faced what I would call good quarterbacks or good offenses. They faced Cam Newton. Cam Newton's had a ton of issues, shoulder surgery, problems with his leg, his foot there, things like that. Then Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked better week two, but he's got a long way to go before I would consider him a, a good quarterback. So even if that defense makes improvements over last season, that defense is still going to be in the bottom 30 of the NFL, meaning they're going to have to throw a lot and score a lot of points to win games. Now, someone would argue there's a lack of targets there, right? A lack of volume simply isn't there to support two wide receivers, and Mike Evans' numbers are simply going to go down. But last season, consider this. Last year, they had four good wide receivers. that Evans, Godwin, Adam Humphreys, and Deshaun Jackson. Now, Jackson and Humphreys left, and they took with them. Here's the stats that they took with them. They took a total of 174 targets for 117 catches, 1,590 yards, and nine touchdowns in an offense that already had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And they both had solid years, so the volume is simply there. I don't think that's an issue, okay? I think the volume's going to be there. Don't sweat it. I think Chris Godwin's going to have what I would call the Julio Jones-Calvin Ridley effect on Evans. Here's what I mean by that. If you look at Julio Jones, in his career, he struggled to find the end zone. If you look at how talented he is, and he's only had one season where he had double-digit touchdowns. Um, he's always been lower on the touchdowns. Last season, through the first seven games, that trend continued. Through the first seven games last year, Julio Jones had zero touchdowns. But since then, in his last 11 games, he's had 11 touchdowns. He's now finding the end zone all the time. What changed? I think the emergence of Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley comes in there, first round pick. First three games, he has six touchdowns. He's continued to emerge, and you know what? Defenses have to account for him now. And that's changed everything. We believe the emergence of Chris Godwin will have the same effect on Mike Evans. Things are going to open up for Godwin. Um, things are going to open up for Mike Evans as Godwin gets more attention there. Mike Evans had five consecutive seasons over 1,000 yards when he first came to the NFL. He's a former first-round pick, seventh overall. This guy is a huge target at six foot five. This guy is legit. Get Mike Evans. I feel good about that. Get him cheap now. His numbers are going to go up. Get him before that changes because it's only a matter of time before those numbers go up. Anything you want to add to that? No, I, I don't really have much to add to that, although I absolutely love the comparison of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley because the thing that people probably don't remember from last season is those first few weeks, yeah, Julio Jones did struggle a bit, and I remember there was a lot of panic on Julio Jones, and you know what? He turned out to be just fine, and so I think that's a really great pick. Definitely a guy you need to be targeting now before he takes off, and because of his history he only needs one good week for owners of him to be confident in him again so he's one of these guys you have to hurry up and make that trade before things turn around for him which i certainly think that they will all right guys so i want to talk about james white i think james white is a really good trade target to go out there and get um before he really starts to take off i think he started this year slower than normal 
However, he hasn't been terrible. I think he's going to be much better down the stretch of this season. And first thing was when we decided to do this video, I sat down and I thought running backs, Christian running backs. Think of running backs you could target because they're always wideouts and there's a lot of wideouts I'm going to talk about in this video. But the first thing was I wanted a running back because so many people who need to improve their roster, running back is where they're most desperate. And so that's where I thought James White. Now, the first thing I want to clarify to everyone is, is know your scoring. As we always say, I feel like I'm really beating a dead horse here, but remember that James White is a PPR specific running back and in standard leagues this information doesn't hold quite as much weight however in standard leagues he's still not a terrible running back so so let's talk about this and again this is more of a PPR specific play but I think he needs to be on this list considering how many people are looking for running backs uh, so first thing James White's been good this year he has 5.1 yards per carry I believe just shy of 5.2 that is ridiculously high when you compare that to Sony Michelle who's averaging just 2.7 yards per carry and that's really my first thing that I want to put out there and say when you break down the numbers when you look at that offense when you look at from a fan perspective a production perspective an X's nose perspective from every perspective that you look at it this season James White is the better back and the more valuable back to Sony Michelle Sony Michelle has seen more carries we're gonna talk about that later on because I think that's due to game scripts um, if you guys watch our channel a lot you know what I'm probably alluding to but we're gonna get to that later um, and so one of the things is that he's lost a lot of uh, really production to really high scoring games where so get this the Patriots have outscored opponents 76 to 3 this season they have absolutely dominated in both games that they have played in that's not going to continue I don't care how good the New England Patriots are because you guys if you watch our channel you know we love the Patriots they're very impressed with what they do every year but no matter how good you are you're not going to keep that pace up you're just not the games are going to be closer and they're going to be more competitive and so that's something I think has hurt James White as the more valuable running back you take him out in those big games you are not going to make this guy have 20 25 touches wear him down and injure him before the playoffs you're not going to do that if you're the Patriots you're destroying teams you just put your back up in why not and that really seems to be Sony Michelle and so that's the biggest thing that's really kind of hurt James White's production in eight game or excuse me he has eight catches in two games that's four catches a game that's not bad that's I believe that's on pace for 64 catches on a season that's really good PPR numbers and yet I believe last year he had I believe 84 87 catches and so that's actually much better and so it's funny where he's still on pace for a good season and yet his numbers have still been hurt by the fact that they've been up so much and he hasn't been out there quite as much now for those of you who don't know another thing to consider is really an update on Antonio Brown who is now not playing for the Patriots anymore um, sounds like he was intimidating this person who was accusing them saying some things and so the Patriots just said we're gonna get rid of him we're gonna move on we're not here to talk about that the fact of the matter is Antonio Brown leaving puts a lot more that they need right there's a lot of production there that they're going to have to replace and that's probably a lot of that's going to go to James White who has been insanely productive 5.1 yards per carry we talked about that earlier 9.4 yards per uh, excuse me yards per reception his metrics this year are through the roof he just hasn't been seeing enough touches um, and then of course last year he had 13 touchdowns this is a guy who could have easily 10 eight plus touchdowns this guy's gonna find the end zone as we get down the stretch and the Patriots play in tougher matchups um, again I think this one's pretty straightforward I don't think anyone needs me to remind them how good he was last year I don't think anyone needs me to tell you that Sony Michelle's 2.7 yards per carry is horrendous I think James White is the clear cutback trade for him now before he starts to have big fantasy days as they start to use him more in closer games 
Uh, but that's all I've got to say on James White. Rob, if you don't have anything to say, we can move on. Or do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, lo- I actually had James White in the league. I was getting a little concerned there with all those weapons in New England when uh, Antonio Brown left today. That helped me take kind of a, a deep breath and feel a little bit better about James White. You're right. He's great. I know Rex Burkett's getting a lot of touches there, and people are getting worried. They're doing that because, obviously, he is the inferior player to James White. You're not going to risk it. Everything you said, I think, was spot on. He's going to get better. But grab him now before those numbers start to go up, and know we're going to hold on to him tightly. So. So my next trade target is Todd Gurley. I know a lot of you are not going to like this. I've heard it before. You haven't liked some things you said about Todd Gurley. But he's a guy that you can buy low right now because his value is low. In fact, it was low in the offseason. Knee issues became a concern. People were scared. And then after week one, they became really scared when Brown came out and vultured two touchdowns. In that first half, he actually out-carried Todd Gurley, right? But after week one, we told everybody, don't panic. A lot of people didn't listen to us, though. They went ahead and they grabbed Brown, assuming that Brown and Gurley were going to have like an even split in carries, and that was going to be a running back by committee. And they took a, a, they took a blow to their – they got almost a zero from Brown in week two. Now, I want to say this before I get into why I think that Todd Gurley is a guy that you should trade for. Is his knee a concern? Yes. I've heard a lot from all you guys out there. You guys are saying, well, his doctor said this, and he has arthritis. He's getting shots. I get all that. I'm not stupid. But here's the thing. Last time I checked – and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think he still plays football, right? He's still a running back for the Rams? I think that he is. So I, I get that. I get that his knee is a concern, okay? But don't overreact. Well, you know what the, the thing is? The the very same people who are making those concerns, because this was funny. Somebody was talking about Todd Gurley and he's nervous about his knee. I looked at his roster. His number two running back was Matt Breida. Matt Breida had a good week last week, but I tell you what, I'd rather take some knee concerns with Todd Gurley than Matt Breida as my number two running back. And this is the thing where at this point in the season, if you're trading for a running back like Todd Gurley, it's because you need to improve your running backs. And you know what? With trades, you're going to have to accept some risk. And so I think that's something that people have to just accept moving forward. They do. Yeah, everything carries risk, right? But I think he's one worth taking a chance on. Okay, yes, he has an issue. I get that. Um, he could get a reduced role. I agree with that. They may reduce his role to keep some wear and tear off his knees. But I think it's not going to matter because he benefits from playing in a great offense. Okay, that changes everything. I don't care how talented you are. If you're in a bad offense, you're not going to have production. You could be a great player. If you play for the Dolphins right now, you would never start a guy like that. But he plays for the Rams, and the Rams are a great team. If you go back to field 2017, they finished first in the NFL with 29.9 points per game. In 2018, they were second behind the Chiefs at 32.9. And right now, currently, uh, the offense hasn't looked great. I don't think Jared Goff has looked that good, yet they still are averaging 28.5 points per game. They are a good offense. And I think the offense is going to get better for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons why I think the offense is going to get better is one of the guys that I like a lot, and that's Cooper Cup. We saw that last week. He's fully healthy, ready to go there. This is a high-octane offense. It's going to create many red zone opportunities. And red zone opportunities, touchdowns, they change everything. They can boost your guy's value up quite a bit, even if he's not having a lot of touches, even if he doesn't have a big year. A prime example is 2016. Look at the Patriots. That year, Patriots finished third in point scoring at 27.6. By the way, that's below the Rams last three years. Okay, good offense, but not as good as the Rams. Okay, That year, LeGarrette Blunt, and, and but let's just stop right there. LeGarrette Blunt or Todd Gurley? Not even close talent-wise. Todd Gurley is a much better, much more talented back. But that year, LeGarrette Blount finished with 18 touchdowns, even though his yards per carry was 3.9, not very good. Todd Gurley this year, his yards per carry is 5.3, above his career average of 4.4. That year, Blount finished 7th in fantasy points among running backs in standard leagues, and he was 15th that year in PPR scoring, even though Blount's hands were terrible, he finished with 7 catches for 38 yards. So, uh... Obviously, the touchdowns carried him even in PPR scoring leagues. 
Will they reduce Gurley's role? I think they're going to reduce his role. I really do. I think they're going to limit some of his carries. He won't get as many carries as he did in the past. But I'm going to look back to last year, okay? The last eight games of 2018, they started to reduce his role. They started to kind of reduce his carries. During the last eight games, he averaged 16 carries per game, down from 22 carries per game earlier in the season. Okay, and by the way, his 16 carries per game is about what he's getting right now, just so you know, just kind of put that in perspective for you. During those games, he had 10 touchdowns in eight games, and he averaged 120 total yards per game, even on limited touches. Now, after week one, we said, don't worry. We said, relax, don't worry, he's going to be fine. He had a solid week two. He had 67 yards, three catches, and he had a touchdown. Not a great game, but definitely a solid game. Yes, his knee carries concerns, carries risks, I agree with that, but his ceiling is so high. Okay, with the type of talent that he has, he's a guy that could become the number one fantasy scoring back. Now, I want to say this. I'm not saying he's going to be the number one fantasy scoring back. I'm simply saying that he has that type of talent. When he plays, he's on the field. This guy can be electric at times. His ceiling is so high that he's worth the risk, and there's value there. I think another thing that bodes really well for him is that he has some great matchups coming up. Faces the Browns, a lot of the fourth most points to backs. He faces some weaker run defenses in Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Arizona. I think that bodes well for him there. And I noticed in week one, he got stronger as the game went on. I think some of that could be, uh, I would like to call rust from the preseason. And when it counted late in the game, when it mattered, do you know who was getting the ball for the Rams? Todd Gurley. Obviously, the coach trusts this guy. He's their go-to running back there. Um, now, I will say this. If you make a trade for Todd Gurley, it'd also probably be wise for you to make a move to try to get Brown also. I get that. It's wise to handcuff. But with that said, I think you get Todd Gurley low. I think he's got a high ceiling, a lot of potential. Yes, he carries a little bit of risk, but he's also a guy that's talented enough to end up top five in running back scoring, and I think it's worth taking that shot. Well, I completely agree with you. Uh, somebody said to me the other day as, as we were talking about this, I just love to talk fantasy. And so they said, well, you know, we're going back and forth. And they're like, well, can he keep his touchdown numbers up if his carries and his targets, if he has a little bit lower uh, volume and touches, can he keep his touchdowns up? And I would have to say yes. Um, we have a very talented running back who can run and catch and is in a high-powered offense. Who does that make me think of? Exactly identical running back is Alvin Kamara. His touches aren't as high as some other running backs, but his touchdowns are high because of the way he's used, because of his versatility. And you know what? That might be a little bit of how Todd Gurley shifts this year, a little bit less volume, but I, I don't think that his touchdowns are going to take a hit. And so I love this pick. I don't remember exactly what his touchdowns, uh, her scores per touch are uh, for Alvin Kamara. I wish that I would have known that you were talking about Todd Gurley. But yeah, Todd Gurley is great. Take advantage of people's concerns. Um, and really, you could hit a home run on this trade. All right, so this seems like the weirdest thing, and I can't believe I'm going to do it. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is a trade target you got to go after. I sound like a lunatic after he just lost his quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, but I tell you what, now is the perfect time to go after this. For starters, Dynasty Leaks. This guy's going to be fine next year and all the years to come. He is a young, super talented wide receiver, so now is Dynasty great time to capitalize, but there's a lot more to it. One, I love that he's a great wideout. We're not waiting for this guy to get good. This guy's been good for a while. In fact, he has 18 touchdowns since the start of the 2017 season. That is tied for eighth among all NFL wide receivers. That is great numbers right there. And you know what? People were a little bit disappointed about how he's played so far this season, but he hasn't played bad this season. Um, so he goes out, he has eight targets, six catches, 78 yards in week one. Then he has eight targets, five catches, and 84 yards in week two. Yeah, he hasn't found the end zone, but one thing that I was really looking at it is you can look at DeAndre Hopkins, you can look at Michael Thomas, you can look at any elite wide receiver you want. 
two-game stretch without a touchdown is actually fairly common. It happens. I don't care who you are. Back-to-back games without a touchdown is not that obscure. Even guys who have monster seasons with 12-plus touchdowns, even they have games like that. Um, and yet, when we just look at the targets and catches and stuff, the numbers are there. 100, he's on pace for 128 targets and 88 catches and just shy of 1,300 yards. He's on pace for 1,296 receiving yards. Those numbers look great. Uh, those numbers are awesome. And so now I have to address the really the elephant in the room. The big question is how is Mason Rudolph going to play and how is Juju Smith-Schuster going to perform in that situation? I think he's going to play just fine. First thing we have to know about last game, he had five catches for 84 yards, but he was actually having a fairly quiet day until Mason Rudolph came in and then late in the game he had a 45-yard catch from Rudolph. And so I think that's good to see. I was really nice, gave me a lot more confidence in Juju Smith-Schuster. In fact, the way Rudolph played as a whole gave me a lot more confidence. Let me read off his stats from last game. He completed 12 passes out of 19 attempts. That's a 63% completion percentage. That's not bad. Uh, he had 112 passing yards, two touchdowns, two touchdowns, guys, and a 92.4 passer rating. A 92.4 passer rating. That's better than Ben Roethlisberger had when he was throwing to Antonio Brown. That's good numbers. Mason Rudolph looks like a mature quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and talk about how amazing Mason Rudolph is, but he's had time to mature in that offense. He's had time to learn behind Ben Roethlisberger. And in fact, a lot of people don't remember this, but there was a lot of news about Ben Roethlisberger being kind of mean to Mason Rudolph. And there were a lot of rumors going on around that he is a little uncomfortable and feeling like the Steelers were bringing in a quarterback to replace him. And you know what? Maybe the maturity's there. I actually like him, and I think that he could be a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be amazing, but I think he's going to be good enough to keep Juju Smith-Schuster's value high. On top of that, I love that the Steelers have an awful defense. They've allowed over 30 points per game this season. It's only been two games, uh, but when we look at those games, the defense has been awful. And so they're going to need to throw the ball a lot. They're going to need to score some points. And I think Juju really benefits from that. Lastly, um, he played the Patriots and the Seahawks the first two weeks. Those are some pretty good defenses, not amazing defenses. Well, actually, I'd say the Pittsburgh, excuse me, the Patriots are a very good defense, and Seattle is a pretty average, pretty above average defense. Um, and then in the next four games, he has two more tough matchups, one against the Ravens and one against the 49ers. So he's got a tough start to the season, and I totally understand that. But then after week six, it gets way easier. He plays the Chargers, the Colts, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Browns, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Cardinals. That is an easy schedule for how many games is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, an eight-game stretch with easy matchups. So I tell you what. Buy in now, trade for this guy now, and get him while Schuster owners are panicking. I like this guy heading into the future. Yeah, people are down on this guy quite a bit this year, disappointed, right? But even his current numbers, we did, uh, I don't have him with me right now in front of me, but I think on his current pace, he's going to end up with around 88 catches and around 1,200-some yards. So even his struggling numbers are still good numbers. So uh, don't worry about this guy. He's really good. You're going to be just fine. Go get him right now. So I put actually a trade in. For a lot of these guys we talked about, I actually put some trade offers in this week and uh, didn't get too many bites, but I'm trying. So hopefully I have better luck than me. Go after Joe Mixon if you can. For those that spent a high second round or a late first round pick on him, I'm sorry. His average draft position was 16th overall, and he was ninth running back taken. His current 1.6 yards per carry and overall numbers have killed some owners. I actually got him in two leagues, so I feel your pain a little bit there. But don't give up on him just yet. And for smart owners, he's a cheap trade target. Historically, he started slower. Uh, last year, he started slower. For example, last year he finished with a 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, which, by the way, was excellent, especially when you consider the fact that, you know, Dalton and Green were out. Ross was not playing like he is now. Ross was banged up. 
get stronger as the year went on. In fact, his last six games, he had a 5.4 yards per carry. Got better. Season one, he finished with a very low 3.5 yards per carry, but at one point, it was actually 3.2. His last four games, he finished with a yards per carry of 5.01. There are some players that just simply, as the year goes on, they get better. Um, that's the downside of sitting out the preseason. He may be one of those players who needs carries and time to become sharp. That's a, something to consider there. The Bengals fell behind the 49ers. They couldn't stay committed to the run. And I think a lot of running backs, if you really you know, really study like lead backs, big physical backs, things like that, they often get stronger as the game goes on. They have to get fed. Okay, You feed them early and often. They wear down defense. The offensive line wears down the defense. And then the chunks of yards come later on in the game. How many times we see that Adrian Peterson being Vikings fans? We live in Minnesota. We are Vikings fans. How many times we watch Adrian Peterson, but a lot of backs are like him. Uh, in the middle of the game, the yards per carry are maybe two round three, not that impressive. And then all of a sudden, bam, he busts a long one for like 65 yards. Suddenly, he's got a good day. That's why he keep feeding these guys, but they couldn't do that with Mixon in these games. Great example of this is uh, Leonard Fournette last night's game versus the Titans. It was a brutal game for him. In fact, he had 12 carries for minus eight yards and then busted off a 69-yard run that changed his night. And the reason why they were able to do that is that Jays could stay committed to the run because they were in the lead. Now, I don't see Mixon breaking out in week three versus the Bills. But I think you need to take big picture here, okay? It's a bigger picture. Don't think about right now. This is 13 games regular season plus postseason. He has a hard schedule versus some tough run defenses early on, but he's going to get a reprieve from that coming up shortly. Soon he'll be facing some run defenses that aren't as good. He faces the Steelers for two games, the Raiders, the Cards, Miami, and the Browns for two games. So it's going to get softer for him on run, uh, some of those run defenses he's going to face there. Another thing I like so far in the year, hasn't been very productive, but he's had five catches and eight targets through two games. That shows the coach's willingness to use him in the passing game. Last year, he had 43 catches in 14 games. Those are very good numbers. And I think it's important because the Bengals are going to be playing for behind a lot. And he's a player that he's a 2-3 down back. He won't have to come off the field on passing downs. This guy is young. He's their lead back. He's their bell cow. There's a future running back. This is the guy that they're looking at to be their franchise running back in the future. They are committed to him. I love that because in fantasy, sometimes half the battle is opportunity, right? And even if he's less efficient this year than, let's say, last year, simply by being the clear-cut lead back by volume, often volume will carry their value. And that's what I'm going to say regarding him. A great example is David Johnson last year. He was not efficient. He had a yards per carry of 3.6, yet he finished ninth in running back scoring simply by volume. So I think this is another one that, yeah, maybe doesn't have a great year. Uh, maybe he's not extremely efficient. But I think the touchdowns will come, the carries will come, and the yards will come. Like I said, half the battle's opportunity, and Mixon will have opportunity. Now, he did injure his ankle in week one, and that could be part of the reason why maybe he's contributing to a slower start. But every day, he's one day closer to being fully recovered and healthy. There, he's getting healthier and healthier. I also love the fact that A.J. Green's coming back. And I think the improvement of Ross and Boyd are going to keep defenses honest. This guy's got a high ceiling. If you can get him for cheap, he's got the pedigree. He's a clear lead back. I would go for Joe Mixon. Otherwise, who else is going to get out there? Right? Who's out there right now that you could go after? Like you said, if you're trying to trade for somebody, you're probably because you need help at running back, and the waiver wire is picked in already. So I would make a move for him. Anything you want to add? No, I think that's a great move to make. Again, it's all about buying low and selling high. Joe Mixon is low right now, but he has got so much ceiling. And again, if you're looking for a trade, you're looking for that ceiling and gambling that you're going to hit that ceiling. This is a guy that you got to go after. All right, so David Montgomery. Now, this is a simple one. I know a lot of people are going to go, uh, duh, I'd love a young stud running back, but I wanted to cover him anyways. And one was because I wanted just a simple one to remind people um, that he's been good. I think he had a slightly slower start. And uh, what happened is we get a little bit spoiled from these young running backs. Ezekiel Elliott comes out, Saquon Barkley comes out, and these are guys who 
game one, they're scoring multiple touchdowns a game. They're getting 10 catches. They're dominant. They're insane. Not every running back can start that way. And so, you know, he comes out his first week, he has six carries for 18 yards, three yards per carry. Not really great. And a lot of people are thinking that offense is struggling. The offense was bad. They scored just three points against the Packers. There's a lot of concern. But you know what? First things first, they went from three points in week one to 16 points against a good Broncos defense in week two. I think that offense is going to continue to mature. For whatever reason, Mitchell Trubisky has really struggled at the beginning of this season. And that's been a big problem for that team as a whole. However, it was the same thing that happened last year. And they finished the year as a very good offense and so I don't know what it is but uh, hopefully again Matt Nagy and Trubisky will be able to work some things out and do what they did last season and really pick things up again and so that's one really good point that that defense or excuse me that offense has struggled more in the last two games than they're going to struggle the rest of the season um, but then he comes out after a really a mediocre week one um, where he shows that hey he can be a pretty good back and he gets more carries he gets 18 carries for 64 yards in the touchdown that production is great. And so I think you've got to buy this guy before his production gets even higher than that. And so one of the reasons I like that, that 18 carries wasn't a fluke. Um, uh, one of the reasons he was able to get this extra role was because Mike Davis decreased role. In week one, Mike Davis had seven targets and, and five carries. Um, and then in week two, he had just three. He touched the ball just three times, and that's because he's averaging a terrible 2.5 yards per carry. So he's playing bad, and Montgomery's playing well. Montgomery's really solidifying himself as one of those top backs. Uh, but one of the biggest things for me is not just that he's young, not that that offense is going to get better, the fact that he's solidifying himself there. But one of my questions was, okay, um, he turns out to be the solid guy because I fully trust in this offseason we thought he was the number one rookie running back I still stand by that as far as talent goes um, and so it was okay but is there a role in this offense if he does which I think he will become the solid hands down number one back of that offense what is that going to be able to produce well you know what I love the volume the Bears have rushed the ball on 44.3% of plays from the scrimmage since 2017 that is among the best in the NFL that is way up there as far as carry percentage or running the ball rushing percentage and so I think this is an offense where it's pretty short and simple for Montgomery but it is in a good offense and a good system he fits the system well and Matt Nagy is going to continue to have more confidence in him especially after last week so Dave Montgomery a guy you got to target now because I think every single week the cost for getting Montgomery is going to go up but that's all I've got to say on Montgomery I felt like it was an obvious one but one that still needed to be in this video it's funny how quick our memories are after coming out of the preseason. This guy was shooting up through the charts, uh, passing Josh Jacobs. People loved him week one, and then he came out, and just the, the whole week one was kind of a mess for a lot of owners, and they panicked. So I think there's still a lot of high value, but definitely the hype is down the way that it was, you know, like, you know, maybe three to four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so this is the time to, to go for this guy and grab him before, once again, we see what he's capable of doing. We know he's going to be a great running back in the league. I think another guy you need to target out there is Allen Robinson. We've actually talked about him a lot, um, but I think you need to go after this guy. In fact, I went after him in a league. Uh, I was able to uh, put together a package deal, upgrade some uh, individual defensive players that we start, and I was able to get rid of Antonio Brown. I had him the day before he got cut, and I brought in Allen Robinson, and I feel very good about that. He's a guy that in our preseason videos, we said many times that he has wide receiver one talent and potential. Okay. And yet, through the first three weeks, a lot of sites out there are ranking him, a lot of experts, as wide receiver three talent. We think he's got a much higher ceiling than that. Now, his value has increased, but I think he's still being overlooked. You need to grab this guy now. Through his first two games, he's been clearly Mitch Trubisky's favorite target, averaging 10 targets per game. Now, the numbers don't seem impressive, but his numbers actually have been good through the first two weeks. He's on pace for 1,136 yards and 88 catches. 
against some tougher matchups. Now the question is, are those numbers, is it a stretch, are they sustainable, was week one a fluke, an anomaly, things like that? I think these are very sustainable. In fact, we talked about this before in other videos, but his connection with Mitch Trubinsky is legitimate. Last season, if we go to the last eight games, Robinson finished 10th in pro football focuses wide receiver ratings during that stretch. During that same eight game stretch at the end of the year, okay, he averaged 76.5 receiving yards per game. Over 16 games, that would be 1,224 yards. Um, he averaged five catches per game. That's 80 catches over 16 games. So 80 catches, 1,224 yards is very good numbers. So what he did early on this year, he was doing it last year. His schedule is going to improve. And he's already shown his value up to this point. It's going to get even better when that schedule improves. Week one kind of gives you what he's capable of and how high his ceiling is. Week one, he goes out at seven catches, 102 yards. Against Denver, okay, against great cover corner Chris Harris, on their last key drive, their game-winning drive, Mitch Trubinsky looked his way a number of times and hit him on a big play that set up the game-winning field goal. So we see, once again, they're not afraid to go his way, even against good covers, good coverage there. After week four, he's got this week, and week four, he's got some tougher matchups. But after week four, he starts to face defenses that are a lot softer against wide receivers. Here's the other thing. Mitch Trubinsky has been bad at this point. He's going to get better. He may not be good, but he can't be this bad, right? Or can he? I don't think he can. I think he's going to get better, even if he's not good. Even marginal improvement for Mitch Trubinsky is going to give Allen a huge boost. People forget, this guy's still young. He's only 26 years old. It was a few years ago that he was top 10, rated as top 10 wide receiver after crushing in 2015, where he had 1,400 yards and was it 15 TDs or something it's like a that? Monster season. Monster season. So people forget that this was a guy that years ago everybody thought, man, this guy's going to be sensational. He struggled for a while there for years, but it was due to injuries. And I know somebody's going to hate us for saying this, but the fact that Blake Bortles is a below-average quarterback, still young. Um, last year's overall numbers weren't great for a few reasons. One, uh, he was still recovering from an ACL surgery. He was learning a new offense with a new coach and a young quarterback. That's a lot to overcome. He missed a lot of preseason time. He missed valuable reps to really learn the offense and get the time down with Mitch Trubinsky. In fact, Coach Nagy said this year, being with him for a whole year last year in the past OTAs at practice and at meetings, um, he's one of the top players I've ever coached. He went on to say, Mr. Robinson said last year, Al Robinson said that, you know, I didn't really start running until late June. Uh, being able to go to OTAs and train to do some things um, definitely way ahead for me as far as where I'm at development-wise. And general manager Ryan Pace saw a lot of different players work in the offseason. He said, it's easy to tell. Um, you can see in his route running. He's more explosive in his breaks, in and out of cuts for his size. He's a natural route runner. So they're just saying, hey, this guy's way ahead of where he was a year ago coming off of surgery. He's fully recovered from ACL surgery. He's developed nice chemistry with Mitch Trubinsky. I think he's a guy that could have a huge year. Um, we've seen a little bit this year, and we've been saying it for quite a while. Grab him now because in a couple more weeks, you won't be able to grab this guy. All right, guys, so the third guy, or excuse me, the fourth and final guy that I want to talk about is a third running back, and this running back, Ido Smith. Ido, Ido, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. All I know is that this guy has got some value heading into the future. Now, the first thing was, is I did, um, made my list, four guys, and I thought, three running backs? Do I try to take a running back out and do a wide receiver tight? And I thought, no, I'm going to do three running backs, and here's why. Out of the teams that I'm looking at and all the leagues that I'm in, I'm like six or seven leagues, so that's a pretty big volume of leagues. The teams that need to make trades the most are the teams that need a running back. If you're a little bit shallow at wideout, you can make a pickup, plug and play your third wideout, you'll be fine. If your RB2 is weak, 
there's no pickup out there that's going to fix your running backs. It's a trade you need to make. And so that's why I wanted to do so many running backs in this video. And Ido Smith, we're really liking this guy. I think he's got something special going forward. So he comes out game one. He has six carries, 31 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. He had one target, one catch, and nine receiving yards against the Vikings' good defense in a game where they got destroyed. But again, those 5.2 yards per carry, Idol Smith, he just looked good. He looked good in that game, but it was not enough for me. I needed to see a second game because, again, just one week, you can rely on just one week of stats. I never do that. And so what happened week two? He gets four carries. He gets two less carries, but he has more yards. So he has four carries, 32 yards rushing with an insane eight yards per carry. He also had three targets, two catches, and 13 receiving yards against the Eagles. He had a great day when we've looked at everything that smith has done this season the production has been there last season he was far from phenomenal last year but he did take over in that role for devonta freeman and he was pretty good far from amazing but he stepped it up this year and he looks like such a better running back this year i don't know what it is if he's more mature if he's been working out if he put weight on or gotten faster but he looks better and you know who doesn't look better in fact looks a lot worse freeman so get this um, Ido Smith has 6.3 yards per carry on the season. Devonta Freeman, yards per carry is just 2.2. That's not below average. That's not bad. That's not even horrible. That is, you cannot play that guy. As a coach, 2.2 yards per carry is take this guy out. You cannot put him on the field. It almost tells the defensive guys that, hey, we'll just keep our four defensive linemen to stop the run, and we'll just put everybody else on the pass. Like, that's bad. Um, but you know what? Yards per carry isn't the only metric that I love. Ido Smith has 7.3 yards per reception, and that's something that I really like about him. He is really starting to take over that passing game a little bit. In fact, more than people are giving him credit for. So he had one target in the first first game he had three targets in the second game which is a good sign i'd love to see a third week where those targets go up uh, but get this he has almost an entire extra yard per catch um, than freeman does where he is making more yards out of his catches in fact he's not just making more yards out of his catches he's getting more yards out of his carries ido smith has uh, 4.6 average yards after contact devonta freeman has just 1.4 average yards after contact Everything that I've looked at statistically from this season says Smith is the better back and it's only a matter of time till they begin committing to him as their RB1 over Freeman. So this is a guy that you need to go out and you need to get him now before that happens. Rob, I feel like you're just dying to say something. I love they put the yards after contact because sometimes yards after carry or yards per carry can be a little deceiving. For example, if your team is falling way behind the defenses and, you know, pass coverage and uh, the cornerbacks are deep, linebackers are playing off the line, look for the pass, and you call a draw play, that can increase his yards per carry, but not really indicative if he's running well. But yards after contact kind of show that it's not just he's in the right place. This guy, and we watched it, you know, we've seen two weeks in a row. He just looks better. He looks more explosive, faster, you name it. He looks like he's right on the brink of taking over uh, more carries and maybe eventually taking over that role. So, yeah, and I like you. And you know what I like about that is the, is the other thing. For a guy to have big fantasy value, we talked about he's got to get touchdowns. All the top running backs are in are with teams, all, most of all the elite running backs in fantasy are with teams that can pass the ball, that can get down the field. We're talking about the Rams. We're talking about the Saints. Of course, now Breeze is out. That's a bit of a different story. We're talking about, you know, Saquon Barkley is great, although that offense has struggled a little bit. But a lot of those guys um, are really their fantasy value is dependent on that offense as a whole. Um, and so I really love that boost that Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper. I love that that offense is good as a whole, and he's not going to see a lot of loaded boxes. So I think that's one extra little thing that I like about him. Let's get to some of the injuries and updates there. We'll kind of update you guys what we found out today and what impact that has on some fantasy players. 
All right, so week one, I did the injury updates, and Rob, I believe you have the injury updates this week, or at least I hope so, because I don't have the research. Yeah, I do have it. This is not an injury, but I have to talk about it. Antonio Brown, you probably already heard this, is released today. Uh, finally, Patriots got uh, tired of it. I don't think another team's going to pick him up, at least not until NFL clears this guy, if they clear him. Um, that's a huge boost for Josh Gordon and for like uh, Edelman. But I think another guy you need to look at out there is Philip Dorsett who's actually had an okay year this year, so it's some potential. So you might want to throw him on your bench. Uh, injuries out there, you got tight end David Njoku placed in the IR with a broken wrist. You know, is there any, I mean, at this point, I don't think you're going to, it's going to really affect, you're not going to pick up the backup tight end for the Browns and play him at this point. Would you agree with that? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, Mark Andrews, foot is questionable for a Ravens week three matchup against the Chiefs, but he's expected to play. So that one's better. I mean, if he was totally out, maybe go with another tight end. But the fact he's expected to play, uh, it's a little questionable there. He's been so good that if he plays, he's playing in a game where that's going to be a shootout, right? The overrunner, that's going to be pretty high, I would imagine, because nobody can stop Pat Mahomes. The guy is crazy good. Um, so, gosh, if he plays, you got to play that guy, don't you? You have to. You absolutely have to. He has eight catches in back-to-back weeks, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. The numbers are there. Play him. Yeah, so I would watch the report right before a game. Usually about 45 minutes to an hour before a game, they'll give you whether or not he's going to play. Watch that. If he plays, I think you got to go. Uh, Greg Olson is questionable. Back. Um, sounds like he's going to play through the pain. He did in week two. Everything looks like he's going to play through the pain this week. Concern that I have, it sounds like Cam Newton is going to be out, so I just wouldn't risk it. Um, backup quarterback, all, all those other issues there. His back is messed up. All it takes is one hit. Uh, if you can avoid playing Greg Olson, I would. Would you feel that same way? No, I completely agree, because even when Cam Newton's been playing, he's been far from phenomenal. Yeah. So let's go to Philadelphia here. Uh, reports locally from there coming out of Philadelphia is that um, there's a pretty good chance that Elshon Jeffrey calf um, suits up, even though he's questionable. Uh, how does that affect fantasy? Well, Deshaun Jackson's already out for the game. And in uh, last game with Deshaun Jackson out, Elshon Jeffrey out, the guy that benefited the most was Nelson Aguilar. had a huge game. I actually like Nelson Aguilar this week. It does concern me a little bit if you want to start Aguilar with Elshon Jeffrey out. Do you play Alshon Jeffrey being questionable? That's not that scary for me because I'll take the tweak, and I feel a little bit better almost starting Nelson, um, Nelson Aguilar as like a wide receiver three and sitting Jeffrey just in case. Uh, it would be better for Nelson owners, though, if uh, Jeffrey just sat in this one. So you're going to have to roll the dice. goes back to what we've often said. It's based on your depth of your team, who your options are, size your leagues, going to some things like that, how you go. Once again, I think I would sit Jeffrey this week. You could play um, Nelson Aguilar, but I think his value is a little bit lower now. So. How about the guys, Marlon Mack, questionable for a Colts Week 3 matchup. Sounds like he hasn't really practiced much this week at all. Um, looks like he's not going to play at this point, but we'll have to watch and see. Um, I think Naheem Himes doesn't take over that role. I think Himes will stay in maybe a pass-catching role, third down back, things like that. The guy that could benefit, and I like this one as a sleeper play, that's Jordan Wilkins. Uh, he's actually looked really good in his yards per carry, so uh, watch that. Um, if he does play Marlon Mack, he's got a great matchup there. Gosh, I hate these questionable calves, things like that. They're so easy to tweak, but I think he's too good to sit. So uh, would you play Mack if he shoots up? Oh, yeah, you have to. I mean, the, the production that he has had this year, and actually that offense has been a bit better than I expected, I think you have to play him if he suits up. Again, it's one of those situations of lower your expectations, but who has a running back that they can play ahead of Marlon Mack? Not many people. Yeah. Uh, let's go running back for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, he had a hip and an illness. He was questionable, uh, but his, on the team's final injury report, he wasn't even on there. So he's going to suit up against the Vikings. Obviously, you're going to play him. He's very good. The problem with it is not the injuries. The concern, he's on the road against a very good Vikings defense at home. That, you got to lower your expectations. I actually have a league where I can sit him and because uh, I've got – but most people I think that have Josh Jacobs probably don't have three good backs. So uh, you're probably going to have to play him, but lower your expectations there. So, I mean, what are you going to do, sit him? 
Yeah, probably not, but um, lower expectation. Tyrell Williams also not listed in the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers. Uh, Tyrell Williams, I put in here, I cut and pasted this, by the way. This is from a different site here. Uh, it says uh, Chargers, but it's not. Tyrell Williams, of course, plays for the Raiders against the Vikings. You know what that makes me think of? What if I have to tell you for the last time, Ron will read whatever you put on the, the teleprompter. teleprompter. <laughs> by the way, Ron Verdi quote there. Yes, yeah, so Tyrell Williams of the Raiders, he's good to go. He'll play versus the Vikings. Concern is he doesn't see Xavier Rhodes. And for me, that scares me. Um, I'm going to sit him in a league that I own him, so... Uh, Devin Singletary hamstring is going to be ruled out for week three, so we need to tread carefully before we tell you the implications of this one here. Uh, the implications is the starting back for this game is going to be Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Some of you want to play him. Okay, I get that. You're in a bind. You want to play him. But here's the thing, okay? I love Frank Gore. Great running back. Hall of Famer. Used to be very effective in the passing game, not anymore. He's just not very effective in the passing game. He will get a lot of carries, but he's got a 2.1 yards per carry for the year. So if you got to start this guy, I hope that you don't. I hope that you've got other options. I suppose you could play him in standard league, but he's a guy that's going to have to he'll get you like 60 yards, and maybe you're lucky enough to get a goal run carry. But if not, you're looking at very low production there. So, yeah, he's got an opportunity, but I don't feel very good about his age, his production, things like that. You got kind of lambasted over this thing this week, didn't you? I did. I didn't talk uh, enough, pretty much much at all, about Devin Singletary's hamstring. I'm actually surprised he's not playing this week. We've seen what they did before uh, in week one or whatever, before they played Devin Singletary. In the first half, they struggled. They had four turnovers, and then they come in the second half. Devin Singletary plays more. He plays way better. And so I'm thinking a Bills team that's 2-0 and and the way that they play with and without Singletary, I'm really surprised he's not playing. Uh, that hamstring must be really bad. Uh, but again, with the struggling with Frank Gore, I didn't tend to avoid him. And Maybe I was a little, I got a lot of negative comments on my review of that situation. So I got a little frustrated and I just said, you know what, start Frank Gore if you want. And I'm going to play better running backs this week and I'd just beat you. And my point is, I hope that you guys have better running backs. If you don't, you can play him. Uh, but this is why we really going into drafts, push and push and push and beat a dead horse and constantly talk about, make sure you're getting good running backs because I don't think you want to be stuck with Gore this week. Right. Uh, another guy out there, uh, Damian Williams, running back for the Chiefs. He is out. So that helps a little bit, right? And then Sean McCoy, who's been banged up as questionable, sounds like he's going to play, but reports out of Kansas City are he's going to play, but they're going to be cautious about overloading him. They're going to keep his workload lower, um, and that means that a guy like Darren Thompson could, uh, Thompson could get some carries there. problem with this, we don't know how much less carries he's going to have. There's so many question marks there. Even Darwin Thompson could be a sneaky start. I still think that he's a running back that you can't trust. I think you probably need to play with Sean McCoy if he plays because he's in a great offense and he's going to get carries. But I think for me, he's in that bubble of what I would call running back 2-3. Uh, you start him if you're in deeper leagues or if you have a flex play there. Um, anything you want to add? Because you got actually McCoy and Damian Williams. So this is kind of good news for you that one goes down. Yeah, so in the league that I have, LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, I've got Dalvin Cook, I've got David Johnson, I've got David Montgomery, and I've got Devin Singletary. So I'm loaded at running backs, and I'm not going to be playing McCoy this week. But that's because I've got Johnson and Cook, right? So I'm set in that. But a lot of you are going to start LaShawn McCoy this week, and I'll tell you why. I don't think he's going to have a lot of volume in place. He's going to do a lot of injured wide receivers will go out there as a decoy. I think that they're going to throw the ball a lot, as the Chiefs do, and LaShawn McCoy is going to go out there as a decoy. He's going to line up in the backfield, and he's probably not going to do much. But he's going to do a little bit. They're going to use him in the red zone. They're going to use him when they need to run. His volume in targets and carries is going to be down. That offense is too high-powered, and as he's finally the only, uh, finally that Williams is out, he's finally really the only back there, I think you have to play him this week. I really do. 
Marquez Brown foot was held on practice Friday. He's going to play. This is kind of what they've been doing with him to kind of keep him healthy. Uh, he's going to go. you got to play this guy. Jimmy Graham groins were reportedly expected to be available for the Packers in week three against the Broncos. Um, Jimmy Graham is a guy for us. We've said for a while here we're not really big on. He's got he's he's a big target. Obviously, he's still got some red zone value. Uh, he's going to target in the end zone things like that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there are better options out there, especially if you're in PPR leagues. Sean Jackson, we already talked about being ruled out. James Conner is good to go. In fact, he's not even on the injury report, so it sounds like he's set, ready to roll. So the only concern you have to have with James Conner is not whether or not he's going to play, but just the fact that offense is struggling and we don't know what we're going to get out of Mason. But how can you avoid it? Once again, do you have a better running back than James Conner? Probably not. Here's the danger. You try to get cute. You're not really sure. You start some uh, guy off your waiver wire, and then James Connors looks great, and you bust out for 130 yards and two TDs, and you want to shoot yourself. So, Well, another good reason to that is, as I mentioned earlier, Mason Rudolph didn't look that bad last week. Yep. 92 passer rating, two touchdowns. You have to play James Conner. Uh, Jordan Reed, concussion remains sideline on Friday's practice. Looks like he's not going to play, but he's been a disappointment anyways. I hope you're not depending on Jordan Reed. Even if uh, he does play, he's a guy I'd probably sit. Then T.Y. Hilton uh, is questionable for the Colts in Week 3 against the Falcons. They're tentatively expecting him to suit up there. Um, they've shown little concern over his status. So um, he's another one, T.Y. Hilton, that if he plays, you got to play the guy, but maybe bump him down. Um, he's a guy that's... Uh, when he had luck, he was a borderline wide receiver tour, one or two, I would say there. Luck is out. He's banged up, so now he drops down to a low-end wide receiver, too. So um, that's all I have for injuries for now. All right. Well, that's, you know, there's it's funny you say that's all I have, but there's actually quite a bit of injuries. So good luck this week, guys. Uh, make sure to ask some questions. But really good luck week this week managing your injuries. Seems like there are so many injuries in the NFL. Is there even ones you didn't mention? Like, you're not going to mention Ben Roethlisberger who's out for season. That's obvious. And so, wow, there's really a lot to consider this week. But good luck this week. As always, we'll be here to help you guys out if we can. Thank you so much for watching this video, and you guys have a great day.